0: accent how to actually properly pronounce the words that way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older german men because you said apple and not "Apfelstrudel." um no it's really cool uh i'm gonna say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners right now you can get up to 60 percent off your babble subscription but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Listen! Hello, and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo Podcast. I'm your host, Casey DeFritis, and this week's special E3 edition of NBC is a little different. For the first half, we have our Nintendo Direct Reaction Show with Zach Ryan, Brian Altano, Joe Scrubbles, and myself talking about the biggest Nintendo announcements and info we got from the Nintendo Direct and the three-hour Treehouse presentation. Then stick around for Tom Mark's interview with Nintendo's Bill Trennan and Nate Bildorf, where they discuss time travel in Zelda and the end of Samus' story. Let's get it started! <coughs>
2: Hello and welcome to IGN's E3 2021 Nintendo Direct Reaction Show. I'm your host, Brian Altano. We just saw a Nintendo Direct plus this Treehouse presentation, all that fun stuff. Uh, here to unpack it are my friends, Casey DeFritis, Zach Ryan, Joe Scrubbles. What, what else can we say? Let's get right into it. Breath of the Wild 2. We got new stuff for Breath of the Wild 2. I thought we weren't going to. I thought this show was starting with a troll, but I think we're good. <laughs> i think i mean good. it we're...
3: definitely it definitely started with a troll <laughs> that was cruel and unusual that they would open with a shot of ganondorf because we thought oh, we were going to right into it yeah, yeah.
4: I, I, I don't want to boast but i knew immediately that that was a reference to that terrible tekken uh tekken throwing off a cliff scene so being trolled by it
1: and then, then the we got to for meme. all the characters the if
4: there is
2: Okay, so I, I really want to talk about Breath of the Wild 2. I, I think we expected to see it today, but mm-hmm. I don't think we expected to see this much. This gave me chills. It made me tear up a little bit. I'm a grown man. I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm confident. <laughs> and I, I will say there's there's so much to unpack here. We got all these new mechanics, new locations, yeah. new weapons, and stuff like that. Zach, I want to start with you because uh, you sure. know, Twitter's already going crazy here with different theories.
3: This this feels like it's tying in a bunch of different Zelda games, mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah. I want to I want to unpack something that you just said. You said we we didn't expect to see this much. That trailer is only a minute and thirty eight seconds long, right? I know, but and it's so it's part. <laughs> the, the last part of that is just a shot of the castle raising and the date. Right? It's supposedly coming next year, and they said that they went out of their way to say that they're aiming for twenty twenty two, which means you know maybe maybe not. We'll, we'll see. But I, I think the thing that's most interesting is all the theories that are flying around right now about. Is it set across multiple timelines? Are you playing different characters? How does it tie into these other Zelda games? Because there's a lot of things that are pointing towards Skyward Sword. Obviously, the idea that you're playing uh, in the islands above Hyrule, which, as we know all the lands above High Hyrule were featured as the Skyloft and Skyward Sword. We are getting a Skyward Sword remastered version right. in here pretty shortly, which is like, oh, should you brush up on your Skyward sh- Sword lore as you get ready for Breath of the Wild 2? Because maybe they're tied closer together. Um, we see a lot of stuff from uh, that hints at uh, uh, potential ties to Twilight Princess. You know, Link's uh, cybernetic-looking arm here looks a lot like the stuff that we saw from uh, Twilight Princess. Um, right. But I think it's also important to remember that... Um, the original Breath of the Wild had a ton of other references to older Zelda games, the Koroks, you know, stuff tied to Majora's Mask, um, different locations that were kind of burned out or, or, or uh, you know, knocked down in, in across Hyrule. So this could be like, obviously, it's all pure speculation and maybe this stuff that's tying in is just like a nice wink and a nod, but maybe it does have bigger ramifications on the story. Um, obviously, we're, we're just going to have to wait and see what that means.
2: It did feel weird that we got Skyward Sword announced uh, for Switch when there are a lot more obvious Zelda games, but maybe things are starting to connect now with all of this. Mm. Uh, Casey, one thing that I find really peculiar about this, this trailer uh, is that we never really see Link's face, um, mm-hmm. and now there are tons of theories about what that means could we be looking at like a multiple link scenario uh we've seen many links in the past before with four swords adventures that's always a, a more sort of campy approach uh, and then obviously we saw zelda in the original teaser for this game what's going on with the playable character in this game
1: yeah i noticed that too that you never see link's face in any of the gameplay in this which really weirded me out but it looks like they're very distinctively two different characters there is one link we assume in the sky and another link on the ground uh only is their hairstyle different but it looks like the one with the long hair that is up in the sky primarily is the one with the weird arm however we do see the one on the ground have some attachments on the left arm but the left arm doesn't seem deformed in any way but he does use a flamethrower attachment which is pretty cool but there are a lot of theories going around that the link on the ground is actually just gonna, like might just be a placeholder and maybe they're just gonna like just kidding. It's It's been Zelda the whole time. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. But it looks like they're very distinctively two links. And as Zach was saying, are these two links across two different time periods? And I think one of the things that hints to that is that the link in the sky, they, their shoes look pretty primitive compared to the boots and equipment that the link that we know from Breath of the Wild. I have so many questions. There is so much tree house and I rewatched this trailer like 12 times. Cause I was so mm-hmm. interested <laughs> in everything that Joe, goes on.
2: Joe, what was, what was something that really stuck out for you in this trailer? Did you, were you, you, you were flipping out watching this like the
4: rest of us, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like this is, this is all I could have hoped for. Like you say, it's a minute and a half, just full of things to speculate on. And th- so what arm is the thing that got me, but specifically the fact that it seems to presage the idea That this isn't just a sequel to breath of the wild that's going to use the same mechanics in a new place in a new setting with a new story like we see new abilities in there we see new weapons you know you're obviously expecting a certain amount of that stuff but i think it's easy to forget now that it's what four years later and a lot of people think it's the best game ever made that breath of the wild did loads of stuff that we weren't expecting and it it encouraged you with its world and be creative and there are moments in this, you know, we see the, the new version of the stasis power. We've we see We've got uh, new ways to mess with stuff. That's what's really exciting to me in this. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering,
5: and
2: let's just check the pulse on this one. Do, do you all think that breakable weapons will return? I feel like that was such a core part of the last game. It seemed like people came around to it, you know, like it it, it was an issue early on in the game when your weapons are breaking constantly. back into the game doesn't seem like it too much of a problem. Most people kind of liked it. So what do you think about this one?
3: I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i of two minds. I think that the weapon durability thing was like a major sticking point for a lot of people. Like a lot of people's issues with Breath of the Wild uh, come directly from the idea that like, oh, the weapon durability is bad. I personally really liked it because I thought it really, it really enforced the idea that you have to switch up weapons. You have to try different fighting styles. You have to try all these different things. And that's why they're showering you with these weapons constantly, right? So um, I would like to see it make a return. Maybe that durability could be increased so that stuff isn't breaking as often for folks mm-hmm. that didn't dig get in the first place but yeah i mean i i i think that's a core tenet to what breath of the wild is as a new you know entry in the the zelda series so i'd like to see it stick around
2: yeah i i actually wonder if some of the arm mechanic stuff could maybe potentially be a standby weapon that you do have in case of emergency mm. when all your weapons <laughs> break that's a good way of sort of meeting fans in the middle of going hey we kept the weapon breakability stuff but also you know if everything goes south you have this unshatterable firearm Mega Man style and you can do cool stuff with it. I like um, that. Yeah. How do you feel about like the, the, the weapon combat and stuff like that in, in this game, Joe? Do you think they're going to expand on this a lot? Maybe just dump in tons and tons more weapons or where do you think this will go?
4: I guess uh, to me, it looks more, and you know, who knows what they're leaving out of a trailer, but to me, it looks more like they're emphasizing the idea that you can do different things as Link innately. As you say, like that kind of backup, set of stuff you know you have your your, you have your bomb power and and that kind of stuff I could see that kind of thing being expanded to me like I'm also a big fan of the weapon durability and I think what they'd lose by getting rid of it if they did and you know we're way into speculation now is the idea that you know Breath of the Wild gave you so much it really rewarded you at every turn like you would go around a corner and find new stuff and it felt like you were constantly being given things for looking around you and I think you would lose that if you were you know, kind of pairing back how many times you were finding things. So I think like you say, I think there's a there's a great midpoint there by going, look, here's an expanded arsenal of powers that you always have, and also all the other stuff that you can find around the world. Wouldn't expect that to go you know, too wild beyond that.
2: Casey, very quickly, um, we still haven't seen dungeons, and that's something that a lot of us are asking for. We did see the castle lift up in the air, which seems to me like the kind of awesome cutscene you would see before going into a dungeon in Zelda game, but uh, most of this still is kind of still above ground. Do you think we'll get dungeons in this game? Is there
1: anything here leading you to think that we will? I think even more so than the fall down into the depths and i don't i think might be reading into this a little bit but that might suggest that we have to go down into a dungeon to rescue. i hope not rescue her i'm kind of done rescuing people but <laughs> 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 maybe we'll go down there or maybe zelda will be doing the dungeoneering while the two links from different timelines are doing things above and in the sky I
2: look like and we, we, we veered directly into like fan we've made
4: our own fan game at this
1: uh-huh. point this is great there you
3: go um can, well, can i we...
4: can i put an idea out there
2: yeah
3: Wait, real
4: what quick about... let's hear it oh yeah what about if those islands up top which are you know limited spaces what if those are your dungeons you know you you have the, the ground, you know, Hyrule field to explore. But when you go up, that's your space
3: that's, to, yeah.
2: to maneuver around. I'm into that. Yeah. A sort of like reverse dungeon upside down thing. That's great. I'm very into it. Uh, that would be new for Zelda. Uh, well, we have tons more Nintendo to talk about in just a minute. But first, we will take a very, very short break. So take a deep breath. We will gather our thoughts. Because there's tons more Nintendo announcements to talk about. Today was awesome. IGN will return right after this. So don't go anywhere. Yeah. It's a link <laughs> quote. I'm Brian Altano, along with Casey, Zach, and Joe. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hi. Brian. Okay, Hello. so in the pre-show, we talked about Metro Prime Four. Still a logo, by the way. Mm-hmm. No additional updates there, but they did uh, let us know that uh, it's coming along. It's happening. Hasn't been canceled, but. As a very, very awesome make good, we got the reveal of a brand new Metroid game, Metroid Dread, uh, a Metroid title that has been 16 years in the works, canceled multiple times, a brand new 2D Metroid game out October 8th for Nintendo Switch. Uh, Zach, let's start with you. How are you feeling about this?
3: I mean, I really wanted to see Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. And the next best thing is a two D, a new two D Metroid. Metroid Dread has been rumored and uh, uh, sort of secret for so long that it was absolutely astounding to see that name pop up on screen. And this game looks sick; like it really looks like a cool new take on a two D Metroid game. I, I know we talked a lot during Treehouse, the Treehouse presentation, about how. This looks like kind of a survival horror thing. It's got a totally different vibe. It's doing a lot of different uh, stuff for the Metroid series um, that I'm really, really interested in. And the fact that it's coming in October is amazing, man. Like, I, I hope that we see Metroid Prime 4 soon. But in lieu of that, this is the next best thing. I, I can't wait to play any new Metroid game. And it's coming from Mercury Steam, the team behind Samus Returns, which is a game that I thought was pretty good. And so hopefully they'll take some of those learnings and apply them here and we can have another awesome Metro game.
2: It would be uh, super cool if they took that game and put it on Switch, by the way, because I think that a lot too. of people kind of slept on it. It came out towards the very end of the 3DS's life cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, K- Casey, let's talk about this new robot, Emmy. <laughs> she,
1: Emmy uh, <laughs> looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah, so if you are watching in the treehouse demo, I, even the people who were playing on camera were being unnerved by Emmy. It seems like if it catches up to you, that's it. You're done. So Samus has a lot of different tools in her arsenal to uh, be stealthy. So I think she can use camo that makes her turn invisible or at least camouflage with the surroundings. And if you're standing still, Emmy can't hear you to come and uh, I, I think they use the word insta kill you.
3: <laughs> so,
1: but I also think uh, you might be able to kill Emmy as well, but it might not be worth the struggle. And I think also some of the suit's uh, survival mechanics, if you run out of energy, can then suck your life force to be powered instead. So there seems to be a lot of different risk and reward and management going on to try and stay away from this very scary robot, which is only in certain areas of this map that you'll be exploring as Samus.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that we were talking about earlier is some of the, and Zach just touched on it too. Some of the creature design um, is is sort of very horror adjacent, or or at least a lot deeper into the sort of horror aesthetic than you usually see from Metroid. Metroid obviously gets into, you know, some horror stuff. There are some, you know, ghastly, horrible, pussing, gigantic alien creatures. There's brains that land on your head and (laughs) take all of whatever's inside you out of you. It's just horrible. Like they're just monsters and they're disgusting. But in this game, like they're they're going with some like very kind of like distinctly kind of like ugly 80s 90 horror creatures that i'm really really into it um joe this is the 35th anniversary of the metroid franchise uh this is already more than i expected i will say that my expectations for samus's birthday party were extremely low uh do you think we're going to get more than this do you think there'll be even even more to celebrate here from
4: samus i uh, i can't see them doing too much more i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised to see some some remakes or sorry re-releases of, of older games especially as i think one of the really interesting things that uh, the producer sakamoto said in a in the treehouse was is designed as the end of the metroid story in the 2d metroid games um so it is a direct sequel to the 2d games we know uh and he said you're meant to go through this game trying to work out why this is the end of that story and so I could see them, you know, I could see them giving us a sort of uh, uh, re-releases that act as a run up to the story of this game, mm-hmm. maybe something along those lines. But they also said there is a prologue you can watch if you've never played any of them and get get up to speed with that, with that story. That's super interesting. And it ties into another little detail they said in the Treehouse as well, which is that whereas most Metroid games are about starting on the surface of a planet and working your way down into the core, this starts you in the core and has you trying to get out to get to the surface, which is not just like a really good horror story, like The Descent or something. This is, it also feels like, is this the end of her Career, you know, is this samus's <laughs> bounty hunting career? Is she trying to get out and retire, like fly right. off and just not come back to these horrible planets full of brain children? Like, have to know where, where they're going with that stuff. Samus retires sounds like a retro game title. <laughs> yeah, it um, really does.
2: You know, I really like the idea of a prologue. What if, if only there was another way to catch up metroid fans on the classic metroid games on switch god it, like sort of collection or ports <laughs> literally anything i mean like there are so many this is a you know a sequel to fusion uh metroid uh, prime zero mission is an awesome awesome remake of the original oh, the first one uh, mm-hmm. of the first one yeah samus returns is a remake of the the game boy one these would be great games to put on switch uh, i i just really really hope we get to see those things um Zach, 15 years in the making for this game. It's got some stealth elements this time around, too. But I'm also seeing, like, lots... It seems like some new moves. How do you feel about the sort of, like, fusion between... No pun intended. Uh, yeah. the kind of classic run-and-gun Metroid style. And some of the more sort of uh, overt, like, kind of almost, like, Ninja, ninja Gaiden-esque uh, combo kills that we're seeing in this game. Yeah, really, stuff up. I really
3: love how fluid the... the like the the idea that you have a a tracking shot the tracking shot from Samus Returns but now you can do that while you're in motion you can slide um there's you know uh, the uh, I forget what the the uh counterattack is is back from Samus Returns there's a lot of cool things honestly like watching it it's it it looks like the kind of game to me that that you're going to want to watch speed runs of you're going to want to watch like pro right. players playing it on Twitch because like when folks are really in the groove, I bet this game looks fantastic in motion, like the all the kinds of stuff that you can pull off. And um, uh, and I'm hearing that my mic is really terrible, so I'm sorry about that. I don't know what's happening it's there, Zach. but um, it's okay.
2: Zach is getting a, a transmission from uh the mothership. <laughs> and that's he's right, being beamed up to Zeb so he can fight some wretched creatures. Casey, quick question for you: Did you pre-order the amiibo?
1: I, I did not. I was unable to pre-order the amiibo. I was able to pre-order that uh, Zelda game and watch the whole.
2: That's good. Me but too. Me the, too.
1: Yeah. The Amiibo and the special edition of Metroid Dread is sold out. Sorry.
2: Uh, keep refreshing. <laughs> Follow IGN deals on Twitter. Hopefully those will get restocked and we'll get your back. Uh, but we do have to take a quick break. We have lots more Nintendo to talk about. But first, IGN Summer of Gaming is presented by The Tomorrow War, available exclusively on Prime Video, July 2nd, starring Chris Pratt and J.K. Simmons. So... The time has come for us to take a look at the latest trailer from Tomorrow War. Welcome back to IGN's E3 2021 Nintendo Direct post show. Uh, We saw the Treehouse, the Direct. E3 has been going on for a while, so it might sound like I'm stringing my words together, but there's actually even more E3 to come because in just a few minutes, the Bandai Namco showcase kicks off. And then on Thursday, join us again for the Xbox Extended Game Showcase and the Podcast Unlocked post show. If you missed any of this, literally any of it, you can catch up on all of it on IGN.com, on IGN's YouTube channel, across social media, even on your smart TVs, and you'll find even more content on e3's online portal featuring articles videos and more we've got news previews trailers gameplay breakdowns interviews surprises there's so much e3 here to say more about e3 and nintendo specifically are my bestest friends casey zach joe hey what's up everyone
3: it's so nice of you brian to call us your bestest friends well just for now
2: that might change at any given moment because And it's called WarioWare, get it together. And it has co-op. I am so happy yes. this game is returning. Uh let's Casey, let's start with you. WarioWare.
1: Man. How do you I'm how so do you feel excited.
5: about
1: it? <laughs> I love WarioWare. I might have very fond memories about playing this on the DS uh, in class. Totally Shouldn't be this excited about it, but Nine Volt is the character whose mini games or micro games, as we say, are all based off classic Nintendo games. And I saw in the back as they're scrolling through Claude from. So we're gonna have a tea party micro game, and I—that's all I need.
0: This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your
2: I'm yeah sold. i noticed I'm i noticed that they uh they did a, a micro game based on like with the brand new animal crossing graphics yeah you know mm-hmm. so i i guess maybe nine volts inclusion is less about <laughs> classic games yeah we can't just okay there's a mini game where you can tweeze uh chest hair off of a a man <laughs> statue which is just amazing get it together uh, brian get it together <laughs> Joe this is out September 10th I feel like that's a good time for this game right like it's not competing against a a ton of stuff it's also 50 bucks are you are you excited about the return of WarioWare as much as I am
4: a hundred percent like so I I played a lot of the (laughs) one on uh, on GBA uh, yeah I to the point where I left it out in the sun, the battery started leaking acid, and I would continue to, to <laughs> play that game. Um, like, yeah, it's just it's just one of my favorite Nintendo series, and I thought it was a really good marker of this show in particular. Like, they seem to be showing some love to series that we haven't seen for a long time, like mm-hmm. Warrior mm-hmm. Where, we're gonna get onto Advance Wars. Like some of these kind of classic, for want of a better term, B tier franchises from Nintendo are getting another push, and I'm so excited to see this and not like a game and warrior wii u take on this like a real new micro game warioware game i I, I couldn't be happier that this is coming
2: zach you and i did a small show together called link together we played uh breath of the wild co-op style this game has dedicated co-op uh should we do it should we play it together
3: I I'm gonna say no because I val- <laughs> I value our friendship and I I think like the idea of trying to play these middle game these mini games micro games uh, across one controller l- <laughs> let alone like the co-op of it is would be so infuriating um but fun like I love Warrior so much I'm so glad that there's a new one uh, for Switch I think a lot of us have been asking for Warrior Wear to come back uh, or at least make its way to the Switch for a long time mm-hmm. uh, so it's awesome that it's finally here and it's coming so soon September is you know only a couple months away at this point, and I completely agree with Joe. This whole showcase was really amazing for showing off some of the franchises that are maybe like lesser known or lesser beloved. Um, And, uh, you know, I see a lot of people tweeting about how like, hey, this presentation, cliche as it is, it really did have a little bit of some something for everyone you know like there is (laughs) if you love the nintendo franchise there's something here for you and like this one specifically spoke to me because i freaking love warioware man i wanted to
2: talk about another franchise we saw return today advance wars is coming back Mm -hmm. uh reboot camp is out december 3rd it's a remake of the first two games we just found out that that's being done by WayForward, who are immensely Mm -hmm. talented and been doing awesome stuff uh with and for nintendo for a very long time now um advance wars reboot camp is basically the first two gba games with a brand new art style um how are we feeling about this one zach i'll start with you
3: so freaking pumped I love Advance Wars. Advance Wars, you know, long-time NVC listeners and fans will know that that Advance Wars and Fire... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Advance Wars and F-Zero are the two franchises that Pear and I are constantly going back and forth about. Like, where's Advance Wars? Where's F-Zero? Has Nintendo completely forgotten about these? So it's so awesome to see these, even just remakes, reimaginings of the original ones, because it at least gives us an a, an idea that, like, Nintendo still has these around, like they still are thinking about these franchises. And honestly, these first two games are phenomenal. And this is a great opportunity to reintroduce this franchise to a whole new generation of gamers, a whole new generation of potential fans. I think the the big thing here is this art style. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like I'm seeing a lot of chatter about, you know, the pixel art was perfect, uh, that people not particularly loving the way that this looks. I'm fine with yeah, it. I think it looks too. awesome. I love the toyetic design. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Link's Awakening remake. Um, yeah. So, like, I'm I'm super into this, and I, I I can't wait. You know, it's tough because this year I made a resolution. I said I was not going to replay any games that I've previously played. I was only going to focus on you know playing new games. But uh, I'll definitely make an exception for these two games because these are bangers. <laughs>
2: Uh, one one last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Tekken and Smash Brothers together at last. Uh, Kazuya has been added to the roster. He killed Kirby. Uh, Ganon was <laughs> was murdered. There was a lot going on there. Uh, the one of the two Smash Brothers drops uh, we're going to get for characters um, were at the very tail end of that that very long long game development cycle. Smash Brothers is almost done. Uh, mm-hmm. Casey, real quick, are you excited for this one? Uh,
1: uh, I liked the art. And also Kirby did not get killed because Kirby is indestructible. He's the final, final survivor in the original ultimate trailer and he survived and got away scot-free from Kazuya as well.
2: All it's right. up to
1: him to save everyone from Kazuya.
2: Well, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you have all survived uh, throwing off the cliff. That is E3, uh, but there's just a mm-hmm. little bit left. Uh, I want to thank my Nintendo friends here or my super nin, Ninfrendos. uh, for for rocking with us uh coming up next we have the bandai namco e3 presentation so let's see what else the studio behind dark souls elden ring and Baruto have in store for e3 <laughs>
1: just kidding this is not the bandai namco presentation since this was recorded live we unfortunately did not get a chance to talk about mario party superstars which will be reviving classic nintendo 64 boards and mini games it even supports saving mid-game when playing online it's basically exactly what i wanted from a mario party we also didn't get to mention an announcement we made on IGN Summer of Gaming. Doki Doki Literature Club Plus is coming to the Nintendo Switch on June 30th, and its creator, Dan Salvato, will be guesting on Nintendo Voice Chat next week to talk about this cute, psychological experience. Don't be fooled, Doki Doki Literature Club is not for kids. I nominated it for Best PC Game in 2017, and it actually won the People's Choice Award for Best PC Game on IGN.com as well. Doki Doki Literature Club Plus includes even more content, and I'm really curious about how they'll change the mechanics to work on console. Also, quick reminder, a beefy demo for Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin will be available July 25th, and the save data will transfer to the full game. We'll talk so much more about E3 next week, but until then, keep listening for this fantastic interview with Tom Marks and Nintendo.
6: Welcome, everybody. Tom from IGN here with Bill and Nate from Nintendo Treehouse. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We were going to talk about Nintendo's E3 Direct. This was a great, packed show, obviously. It showed off a ton of stuff, a new WarioWare game, a new Smash Bros. character. But uh, I want to jump into... uh, the, that last one more thing, because I think it's the first thing everyone's going to want to talk about. It's the thing that the internet is ablaze discussing right now and speculating on, which is uh, the sequel to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, you guys showed off a about a minute and a half trailer with some gameplay and some story beats and all that sort of stuff. A very exciting But I wanted to dig in a little bit more into some of the stuff we saw if we can. Um, Specifically, I would be remiss not to ask this right away because a lot of people are already discussing it. Age of Calamity was, which is also getting DLC as we learned today, is, was, had directly to do with time travel. There's a lot of stuff in both the Breath of the Wild trailers that we've seen now that have like this sort of backwards mute song sort of motif in the singing of the song. There was uh, a couple shots of things reversing in, with abilities that Link was now using. Uh, so. What's going on here? Is this game linked to time stuff, time travel in some way? It seems to be what all of that is sort of indicating, at least. Uh, Bill, why don't we start with you?
5: All um, interesting observations. You know, it's amazing the degree to which people will analyze the trailers and look at sort of every frame and every little tidbit to see what they can uh, they can clean out of it um obviously i think right now we're just really excited to be able to show off some some new footage and show off some live gameplay from the game or you know gameplay in the form of a trailer so uh i think that's kind of the the big news for us is is just letting people dig into that and kind of guess what they can and you'll get more information on some of those details as we get closer to when it launches in 2022.
7: yeah that's i mean that's actually what i loved about this trailer was the it gives us and just enough questions to keep us talking for, for so much time. I'm, I'm the same. I was the same way as practically everybody who watched the trailer, which is, you know, what? How? How is he tunneling through rock? How? How did he move that spiky ball back up the hill? <laughs> you know, and I, I feel like the um, the anticipation of learning about that, uh, especially given the, the entire world of the Breath of the Wild universe, is gonna um, it's gonna sustain me for quite a long time, and I hope I hope it does for everybody else too.
6: Obviously, I assume you can't go into too much detail here, but we do see that sort of like Link's arm getting sort of corrupted or what have you, and then using abilities from that arm, including kind of like what looked like almost a new sort of flamethrower thing at one point, though that might have been from the other arm. It was a lot to go on, right? Um, But that arm, people are picking out that that actually was... There was some concept art with Link's arm looking that way from the original Breath of the Wild that was brought back or was shown in a behind the scenes a couple years ago. Um, Is that kind of, is is that a fair connection to draw for for fans? Uh, Nate, why don't we go with you?
7: Uh, I mean, I I think you can draw a lot of connections and whether or not they turn out to be true is pretty much anybody's guess. Um, I agree with you. I think that uh, you know, I, I remember seeing that that concept art um, when Mr. Fujibashi uh, showed it off, and I, I think that um, I imagine he's kicking around a ton of different ideas, um, some some drawn from past inspirations, some new ones. And uh, as far as you know, I think, when, I feel like when I was watching that trailer, the the whatever the item was that he was using with his left hand, that was maybe even a different hand, and so. Right. You know so it's, it's like I don't even know what what are weapons and what are powers for me again it comes it comes back to almost more more questions than answers right now and i and I almost like I almost like that better than having answers since I can't have the game in my hands right this second so
6: well uh i i I think I can speak for fans when there might be a lot of people uh a little uncomfortable in the squirm with anticipation right like with <laughs> <laughs> with all those questions um one thing I did want to ask about uh the sequel in general too is there, there's a lot of comparisons you can draw, not about specifics, but about sort of what this game is at least shaping up to be. It seems almost like, like does Nintendo see this as almost like a cousin to something like Majora's mask? Cause there's a lot of things to be drawn there where Majora's mask was a a much darker game, right? It reused a lot of the same sort of like, not just full on reused, but you know, reused a lot of the same technology, same assets, borrowed a lot of the stuff from Ocarina of Time in that regard to tell this new story. And that seems like where this sequel is going. Does Nintendo kind of view those games similarly or are, are they akin to each other, Bill?
5: I mean, I, I would say it's an easy comparison or conclusion to jump to at this point in time, just given, you know, what's been shown so far and given the nature of it being a direct sequel. It's not often that there is a direct sequel to uh, a Zelda game. Um, and, and so I understand people making that conclusion. But um, at the same time, you know, and I, I don't want to kind of delve too much into it, but this is its own game. Um, and I think that the way that it builds on Breath of the Wild, which already was such an expansive game with so many layers of, of Link's abilities and layers to the gameplay, um, I think this is going to layer quite a bit more into that. And I think that by the time you're, you finish playing it, I think everybody's probably going to come to the conclusion that this is really sort of its, its, its own thing. Um, and I think as, as we start to show a bit more of the game over the kind of the coming months to, to you know, the next year or so, um, I think it'll probably start to be a bit more apparent where this game kind of stands on its own and, and what makes it so unique.
6: Uh, we also got a release window for this, this, sequel with 2022, uh, which I believe is the first time we've gotten in any sort of like actual date. There's been a lot of speculation on that for a long time, but nothing actually hard on in that regard. Um, uh, but onuma did say that this is, you know, they're asking for a little bit more time, people, for being patient. What went into? I'm curious, Nate. Well, like, what, what went into the reason this is taking as long as it is? Not that it's not saying, you know, like how how is it taking this long? But like, <laughs> um, like. What what kind of factors have gone into them looking for a little bit more time on this?
7: You know, uh, nothing nothing too dramatic here, really. Um, it's it's the the core Nintendo philosophy uh, shared across teams, um, and certainly on the Zelda team to uh, to release a game when it's ready. And um, you know, development is is complicated. Obviously, it takes a long time. Uh, and you know, this will when it releases in twenty twenty two, it'll be basically a, a five year gap between the last game, um, not completely out of the ordinary. Uh, and I, I think that, um, you know, we've we've seen time and time again that uh, let, letting our developers, you know, see their projects through on uh, a timeline that brings a game out in really the state that they they want it to be in is always worthwhile. Um, as painful as it may be for us as fans to have to wait extra time, um, it, it almost always is, uh, is worth it. So, you know, nothing... I, you wouldn't point to any really one thing as far as what uh, what has been taking up the extra development time. It's really an aggregate of just making the game the game that it should be. So uh, let's just got to wait a little bit longer. I'm right there with everybody else. Trust me. I,
6: I think Nintendo has earned that patience in that regard a lot, uh, at, at, as if past games are any indication at least. Uh, and last question about Zelda for Bill. Uh, you know, I've had to dance around it a couple times. I've had to catch myself a couple times already of calling it the sequel to Breath of the Wild, right, rather than Breath of the Wild Two. Um, so I guess just flat out, like, w- why are you holding back on the name? And and also, are, are you guys are you guys upset when you hear Breath of the Wild Two as people calling it that kind of colloquially? <laughs>
5: uh well certainly not upset i mean that's you know that's going to be shorthand and i think it's natural for people to want to find a a shorthand way to to frame it we're still calling it the sequel to the breath of the wild i think um you know as far as why we're holding back on the name um you'll just have to stay tuned because uh obviously you know zelda names are are kind of important uh those subtitles and and they start to give little bits of hints about uh about maybe what's going to happen but uh We'll just have to stay tuned and look forward to when we finally do decide to reveal it.
6: Fair enough. Let's talk about the other kind of, what sticks out in my mind is the other major game announcement from this E3 Direct, which is Metroid Dread, which is uh, a name that, unlike the Breath of the Wild sequel, which we haven't gotten yet, was a name we got almost two decades ago, <laughs> seemingly. Um, this this is a name that I think is infamous now on the internet, or, or you know, it's it's been around forever in rumor and myth and legend and whispers around, you know, schoolyards, that sort of thing. Um, how much connection does this Metroid dread have to kind of all of that lore and those rumors and those, those going back to, I think it's 2005 was the earliest mention of this game, at least in rumor. The, uh, uh um, Nate, please. Oh yeah.
7: Oh yeah. Sure. Sure. I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think that the the core of the game uh, dates back to exactly what you're talking about. You know, really, it's, it, uh, in the interview with Mr. Sakamoto, he made it clear that he had really this central idea um, of a uh, well dread. You know, the, the this relentless threat that's stalking um, stalking Samus and the the gameplay that would would grow out of that conceit um, had it in his head way back when, and uh, it was something that just he couldn't bring to fruition because it didn't have sort of the, first of all, the tech to realize what his vision was for it. Um, and then the secondary component to it was finding a, a development partner, which he has found in, in Mercury's team. Um, in working with them on, on Metroid Samus Returns, really, he realized that they just get the franchise. They understand Metroid gameplay. They understand what makes it so good and so unique. And um, that combined with uh, the, the power of the Nintendo Switch, it was just, it was time to bring it back.
6: And, and it is, it is more than just, it's, it's a 16 year wait and more than just rumor, right? Because this is a direct sequel to Metroid fusion and is now y- y'all are calling it the end of Samus's saga in this sort of like initial 2d Metroid game, uh, series bill. What does that actually like mean in terms of like the end of Samus's story here? Cause obviously that doesn't mean the end of Samus and, you know, Metroid prime four is you, you mentioned is still in development.
5: Yeah, well, and obviously, you know, there's, we've got the, the 2D Metroid series, the Metroid Prime series is, is its own uh, series that's, that's kind of uh, distinct from the core 2D Metroid storyline. Metroid Dread is going to, it serves as sort of the, the the closing of the curtain on the current five-game story arc that started with Metroid. Um, of course, it doesn't mean it's the end of the 2D series, and it doesn't mean it's the end of Samus's adventures, but it does kind of serve as a, a break point in that story arc. And personally, I think, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the story that Sakamoto-san has to tell, and and I think everybody's going to feel that not only is this an important point in the in the storyline, but it's also I think almost Samus at really kind of her her most powerful, um, and and just the fluidity of motion that you see with some of her new abilities in this game um, really is going to feel like the pinnacle of Metroid that we've seen up until now.
6: And speaking of this being the the right moment for Metroid Dread to finally come out, obviously the Dread subtitle is, you know, we got a glimpse of the Emmys kind of chasing Samus and this, this very tense sort of unkillable enemy that you have to run and hide from within this game. Um, this does also feel like a good moment for this game to come out because the sort of survival horror genre, not that this game is outright horror, but is that that sort of genre is on the rise right now where we had Alien Isolation in past years. We've had the rise of Resident Evil 2's remake with Mr. X coming back. Like, I, I, I get kind of whiffs of all of these things when I look at Dread. And, Nate, I was wondering, is that fair? Were these games like Alien Isolation or Resident Evil, were those inspirations for what Dread has become?
7: You know, I, I would say that... um I feel more like the inspiration came directly from from metroid fusion and the and the sax because uh, to me anyways as a metroid fan um the the Emmy encounters are very evocative of that feeling of powerlessness that you had when you when you started running into the sax um you know this this the music would cut out you'd hear footsteps and all of a sudden you're just like oh, i'm dead i have to get out of here <laughs> uh so you know that and i that obviously is a, you know, a, a game for from quite a long time ago. So uh, I'm with you, though, in, in the sense that the, uh, not necessarily survival horror, but the idea of um, survival in general, uh, the, of, of being powerless for a certain period of time and then coming back with power is something that is uh, very exciting from a gameplay perspective. It certainly is peaks and valleys. I can tell you from experience that playing this game uh, and running through you know, just the, the, the depths of, this, of Planet ZDR uh, you know, you're trying to survive, of course, and you're fighting all kinds of, of life forms. It feels very different the second you step into one of these patrol zones where the Emmys are, and um, the all of a sudden your entire gameplay changes. And my, at least me, my palms start sweating, and I need I want to get out of there. <laughs> and, and and as if from a from a gameplay loop perspective, that is just hugely satisfying because you're just going through these emotional ups and downs, um, and. You know feeling palpable relief leaving one of these zones but then knowing that eventually you got to go back in there eventually and kill this thing uh is um it just makes for a great gameplay loop and i, I can't wait for people to experience it
3: yeah it's very yeah, cool to see in oh, fact playing you
7: yeah when yeah. when once you've played the game
5: then you watch someone else play Uh, all of those emotions come right back to you when you're just sitting there watching. I've I've sat down and watched Nate play, and it's like I can feel my own heart throbbing at moments where um, the Emmy is closing in on him. I'm just like this. It's like my heart rate's going up already thinking about (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah,
7: it's awesome.
6: Yeah, and, and it's a good point, too, that this is kind of... I feel like this always has been sort of in the DNA of Metroid to some extent, and it's cool to see that now Modernized and new and fresh with Mercury Steam at the at the wheel. Uh, thank you so much both to Bill and Nate for talking to me. It was an absolute pleasure. It was a very exciting E3 showcase, uh, and we can't wait to see more of Breath of the Wild, Not Two, and Metroid Dread, <laughs> and uh, you know Tekken and Smash, WarioWare. You got a lot going on this year, so thank you so much for talking with us.
5: Oh, thank you. Don't forget Advance Wars. I've oh, yeah. got to touch on Advance Force. It's one of my <laughs> favorite series. So <laughs> thanks for having us.
1: That's a wrap for this Frankenstein's monster of an NVC for Nintendo's E3. Thank you so much for listening, and write in your Nintendo E3-related questions for us to answer next week to NBC at IGN.com. And don't miss next week's episode with the creator of Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, Dan Salvato. Plus, we'll probably be talking about Mario Golf Super Rush. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can... Get the thing. There's no one, there's no one here to say it.
4: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine